Welcome to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you, and now let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week. I am so excited to be continuing on in this book study. Colossians has once again become one of my favorite books, and through the first 20 verses, you've seen exactly why. And now, this is the final few verses here to end chapter 1. So today we're going to be reading Colossians 1, 21 through 29. And just to give you a little bit of a recap from last week, we talked about the supremacy and the deity of Jesus Christ, in which verses 13 through 20 clearly lay out. He must have preeminence over all things. He cannot be second to none. Christ was God in the flesh, and in him all things hold together, and all things are created by him and for him. He is supreme He is master, he is Lord, he is sovereign over all things. So with that, we're going to go ahead and read Colossians 1, 21 through 29, which is our main text today. And this is the final verses in chapter 1. So God willing, next week we will start on chapter 2. So we're really looking forward to that. But let's go ahead and get started. Verse 21. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which I proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is, the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. All right, let's go ahead and go back to verse 21 and begin. It says, And although you were formerly alienated, the word alienated here means estranged. How were we estranged? We were estranged because of our sinful nature. God cannot be in the presence of sin. And if you are outside of Christ, you are hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. 
we were completely against God. It says in Scripture that if you love the world, you hate God. And too many people love this world. Too many Christians love this world. I had a conversation not that long ago. I know sometimes these conversations make me sound like I'm like really, really sad and whatnot. But what I was saying is that looking around the world today, if it weren't for my family, this world has nothing left for me. I used to be I used to be a really good athlete. I used to look forward to sporting events and activities and games and competition. And now that I'm older, I still I still feel that I can do those things and then I'm quickly reminded that I can't do those things anymore. And just the way this world is turning and the direction that it's heading. I just, there's nothing left for me here. And again, this is not a, um, a sad depression type of talk here. Um, and here's the thing. It's not. But I'm sober in mind when it comes to the things of this world, because I know that this world is empty, pale, and poor. And here's the deal. In Christ, will you find rest? In Christ, will you find purpose? And in Christ, you will find what you're looking for. And I'm telling you, I've had people turn their backs on me. I've had family shun me. I've had very high anxiety things happen in my life. And the one constant through all those things is Christ. And, and don't get me wrong, brothers and sisters. I'm not down in the dumps. I'm not... I'm not depressed. I'm not any of those things. What I was trying to say is that I don't love this world. And nothing about it anymore appeals to me. Not going out to the bars, not going to the clubs, not going to sporting events, not cheering for my favorite football team, which I still do. But all I'm trying to say is, is we were alienated and hostile in mind because we loved evil deeds. We love the flesh. Again, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We love those things, which are all hostile to God. And in verse 21, what I really want you to focus on, it says, and you were formerly, these are talk, this is talking about people who believe in God through Jesus Christ. This is how we used to be. We used to be alienated. We used to be hostile mind. We used to be engaged in evil deeds. Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death. We had a great conversation 
last week talking about Colossians 13 through 20. Talking about redemption, reconciliation. And if you haven't checked that out yet, I would highly encourage you to pause this, go back and listen to it, then then go back to this. But my point is this. What does that word reconcile mean? It means make friendly again. Because we were hostile in mind. And now he has reconciled us. He took God's hand in one of his hands and our hands in the other hand and brought us together. Through his death on the cross. And this is the amazing part in verse 22. Just listen to this. I, I sound like I'm like stuttering here a little bit. Like I can't get my words out because it's it takes your breath away. It renders you speechless. Listen, in order pr- to present you before him, holy and blameless and beyond reproach. I use this all the time. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's exactly what we're talking about. He makes us holy and blameless and beyond reproach. What does that mean? Even if we're guilty, we are innocent. Wow. I mean, I, I don't know what to say to that. And I just, I just, <laughs> I just that's why we sing Amazing Grace. That's why, how can it be? Verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, it is not enough to merely profess faith in Christ. We must relentlessly pursue God's heart. We need to obey Christ. And you know what? We need to really take to heart Colossians 3.16. I know what you're thinking. Well, hey, that's you can't do that because that's two chapters away. What does Colossians 3.16 say? Do you remember? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. That's what we need to do. That's what it means to continue in our faith, in obedience, in sanctification, obeying the will of God. Growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bearing more of the fruits of the Spirit. And increasing in those qualities found in 2 Peter 1. That's what this is talking about here. And being steadfast and not moved away to other false teachings. Because our hope is in the gospel. This is where our establishment comes in, our steadfastness, and where we stand firm is the hope found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you have heard, which I proclaim in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, was made a minister. Our sin, even though it seems fun and exciting and a thrill, eternally hides God's face from us and causes separation. That's found in Isaiah 59. 
We are separated from God because of our sins. And that, my friends, is powerful. Think about that for just a second. I know we probably talked about this before on this show. But sin is so powerful that it separates you from the living God. That's powerful stuff. And we were estranged and hostile to God. Our friendship with our sin in this world draws a line in the sand. And we show God we hate him if we love the world. But thanks be to Jesus, who through his bodily death and resurrection and our faith in him and him alone, amazingly in verse 22, Jesus reconciles our unrighteousness to make us holy, blameless, and even though we are guilty and deserve wrath and death, we are made completely innocent and are given eternal life. I mean, amen to that. Amen. Verse 24, now I rejoice in my sufferings. This is is Paul talking here. And we're not talking about just any type of sufferings. We're talking about deep emotional agony. Now I I rejoice in my sufferings. That's what the Spirit produces in us. Even when we suffer, we rejoice. That is a gift. That is a promise. And that is a byproduct of faith in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, for your sake. And in my flesh, I do my share on behalf of his body, talking about which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. I'm going to stop here for just a second. Christ's church is clearly laid out in Holy Scripture. The reason why there are denominations is because man deviates from God's way, his will, and his plan. And man attempts to exalt themselves foolishly to where they don't belong. In Colossians chapter 1 as a whole, we are clearly shown who is the king of all creation. Man in his folly forgets who he is. And God reminds us here like a good like a good father does. There are times where I have to remind my kids who the Father is. And I think there is an appropriateness to that because not only do I tell my kids that, then immediately when I say it to my kids, then I need to remember who my Father is. And man tries whatever way possible they can come up with to try and dethrone God and put ourselves on that throne. And good luck with that. So with that, we reach verse 25. It says, Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. We, as members of that body, need to have the same mindset. That everything that we do, that we say, that we need to carry out the preaching of the word of God. Maybe some of us 
are not the best communicators. Maybe we're the strong, silent type. Maybe you are a person who is afraid of public speaking. Maybe you have something that hinders you from that. But let me ask you something. Do you have a little God or a big God? The answer is you have a big God. And I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. At one point, I was deeply terrified of public speaking. It bothered me so much the first time I had to take that in school when I was a sophomore that I was trying to literally get out of that class by any means necessary. And one of our big speeches that we had to do was how to do something. So I was a little bit nervous to say this, <laughs> to say the least. And, but I prayed. I pray that God would give me the words and the strength to get through it. Well, I brought my Bible to school with me, and my speech was on how to be a Christian, which probably nowadays would get you kicked out of school, but I'm not going to go there. But I was given a three to four minute time window. And guess what my time was? No, it wasn't under. It was over about a minute and a half. So about five minutes and 30 some seconds. And some of you are nodding your heads right now. Like, yep, that makes perfect sense. Because every time he says it's going to be a short episode or a short Bible study or a short this, it always goes long. So if you noticed, I've stopped saying that. Because if you're in Christ and you love his word, and you love gathering with the saints, then this is this is great for you. This is home for you. And like I said, I know there are times where I go a little bit overboard, but uh, what better way? What better way to be than be in the word of God? So as we move on, we need to be preaching the word of God. You have to use your talents and abilities that God has given you. I and I tell you that story that I just told you for this very reason. Now I'm speaking publicly literally all the time. All the time. And my greatest joy in this life is to preach and teach the word of God. And any chance I get to do that, I'm going to do it with joy because I take him and his word very seriously and I want to love people as he has loved people. And one of the things he says is go make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's why. Well, let's go to verse 26 and that is, so going back to verse 25 here to, to play a little catch up here. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been 
hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. Okay, what is this mystery in verse 26? What is the mystery? It says, which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. There is a great mystery. We're going to find it in verse 27, then kind of backtrack and combine these two verses and explain them out here. Verse 27, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Here's the mystery. Are you ready for the mystery to be solved? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. And that was hidden. Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one, the Christ. has been revealed. He's here. But what happened? He was rejected by his own. And by the glorious grace of God, that good news of a Messiah was not just for the Jews now. It was for all people. People like me, that's not Jewish, would not stand a chance. We have no hope. But now, but now, Jesus is available to us all. And the greatest mystery, Christ, second part of 26, has now been manifested to his saints. Not just those in a region, throughout the world. What a privilege that is. What a privilege and an honor. Verse 27, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. I mean, Christ in us, that is the mystery. That is richer than any precious jewels or gems or gold or silver on this planet. The surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. That is where we take pride in. That's what we boast about. Not ourselves. Not ourselves. Now let's look at verse 28. Verse 28 says, We proclaim him, Christ, admonishing. What does admonishing mean? Admonishing means warning or counsel, giving counsel. So we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. At one point, brothers and sisters, there was a mystery as to who the Messiah was and we now know is Jesus of Nazareth. The Messiah did not come and everybody loved him. He was rejected. The God they claimed to serve, obey, and worship was nothing but lip service. They used the law of God, talking about the Pharisees, 
as a means of achieving righteousness on their own. Christ came and was met with alienation and hostility, gnashing of teeth. When Jesus paid the penalty of sins of his predestined believers and rose from the dead, he proved that he is who he said he was, and that is God. You know, in kind of getting to a good point here with Colossians chapter 1, there is a really humbling lesson that we have learned in chapter 1, that Jesus is God and we are not. That the God we serve is so far above us, so holy, so pure. And I don't want to digress back to our last episode, but in verse 17 where it says, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Think about this. The stars, the moon, the earth, the sun, the galaxies are all held in place and held together through Him. I just want you to take that in for a moment. That is such a mind-blowing concept. And not just planets and stars and suns and, and nature as a whole, but us. He holds us together. Because outside of Christ, we will fall apart. There are many people right now that I know that are dealing with stressful situations and people all around them telling them, Oh, you're, you're strong. You're powerful. You got this lean on your own power. You're stronger than you think you are. And what should we be telling people? We should be telling people come to Christ, throw yourself upon him. Fall into the loving arms of Christ. Stop trying to live by your own strength. And here's the thing, people. Your strength, your love, your faith, your empathy your sympathy your grace your love only goes so far i'm not attacking you as an individual right now your character but we're not talking about just that we're talking about all of humanity all those things only go so far But in Christ, we are held together. We're like a tree in a storm. The little trees that are young and don't have strong roots just yet. Where the winds bend that tree so it touches the ground, but it never breaks. That's us. 
in Christ. We will bend, but we don't break. People of the world, they break. Everybody on their own strength has a breaking point. And let's just be real for a minute. There are many things in this world that bring us to our knees. But when we're brought to our knees, do we repent? Do we cry out to God and ask him to save us? What did Peter do when the storm was raging? And here you have Jesus sleeping in the bottom of the ship. And the disciples are running around screaming, Oh, save us, save us, help us. And Jesus wakes up, stands up, goes to the front of the boat and says, be still. Or what about Peter when he saw Jesus walking on the water and said, Lord, let me come to you. And Jesus says, come. So Peter started walking on the water, right? Remember that? So he starts walking. And what happens? He takes his eyes off of Christ. He takes his eyes off of him. Because Peter seeing the wind became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Do we do that? We ought to. And let me tell you something. It is easy to pray when we're going through very, very difficult times. And we should pray. But do not forget to pray during the good times, the blessings, and be grateful for them. But here's the thing. A lot of people who use prayer as a means for their own end, when they go through hardships, they get angry at God and blame him for everything. God, how could you do this to me? How, how could you do this to me? I believe in you. But what did Job say? What did Job say? Do you remember? Maybe you don't know. Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Nevertheless, I will argue my ways before him. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. God is in control of all things. I don't know what's going to happen later on today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. My whole world could be shattered in an instant. It could be flipped upside down. But do I have the faith and the trust in God that Job had? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. He had everything taken away from him. And we'll have to do a study on him, God willing, soon. But I think you see my point. And I don't want to keep repeating the same verse over and over and over again, my friends, but if God blesses me, I'm going to hope in him. And that's easy to do it then, isn't it? 
but it's a different type of attitude, a different type of strength. That's supernatural, spiritual, Holy Spirit strength. I will hope in him, even though he slays me. All these things can happen. My whole world can come crashing down, and I'm still going to hope in him. And, and why do we do that? Why do we have that hope and that joy even when the whole world has come down on us? Because, we, and we read this before in James 1, 2 through 4, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Did Job, right there we just read, did he have joy when he was encountering trials? Absolutely he did. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There it is. There are times, people, where we will go through what seems like hell on earth. But here's the thing. The worst day that we will have on this earth will pale in comparison to the suffering we would have in hell. And the joy that we have in Christ, the promises that we have in Christ, supersede any afflictions, any trials, any tribulations that we could ever go through. That is a guarantee. And you know what's amazing about all that? Christ is with us every step of the way. And how do we know that? Because the mystery that we just solved, that was revealed to us, in verse 27, which is Christ in you. And what does that mean? We start producing the fruits of the Spirit. And it seems like I say these every single week. And I do that for a very specific reason, because a lot of times we forget them. And a lot of times we cherry pick well, I'm going to work on kindness this week, and I'm going to work on love this week, and we we take them as like, like a, like a grocery list. These should be evident in our lives all the time. Listen to this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Isn't that what the world is missing right now? Isn't that what the church is missing right now? Isn't that what families are missing right now? 100% absolutely. And yet, what do we do? We continue to rely on our own strength, thinking that we're going to produce some kind of endurance that is, is admirable. And I'm going to tell you right now, yeah, you can look strong in front of people, but inside, it's you're just wasting away. In Christ, when he is living in you, the hope of glory, we he produces those things within us. But what do we have to do? We can't be merely hearers of the word. We have to be doers of the word. We have to do what it says. We have to be in scripture. We have to be 
obeying the will of God. We have to be pursuing holiness and sanctification. And let me tell you something. The second fruit of the Spirit named here is joy. We have joy. Even, even when we suffer. Again, let's go back to verse 24. Paul saying, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. My brothers and sisters, Paul suffered greatly. He suffered greatly for the sake of the believers and for the sake of Christ. And he says, I rejoice in my sufferings. How can he do that? Because he is producing the fruits of the Spirit because of the work of the Word in the heart. The Holy Spirit was within him. Christ is in him, working through him. You love people deeply. Why would he suffer for the sake of the, the gospel? Why would he suffer for the sake of fellow Christians and brothers in Christ? Why? Because the love that is produced by the Holy Spirit. He has joy through those sufferings because joy is not based on circumstance, but on the promises of God. and It never goes away. A peace through all those things. People, remember in our introduction to Colossians, Paul wrote Colossians from prison. And I'm not sure about you, but if I'm in prison, I'm not going to rejoice. But because he's suffering for the sake of Christ, he rejoices. And I would as well. And I hope you would too. And I want to tell you something. That is power of the Holy Spirit. That is joy and peace that the Holy Spirit gives. And here's the other thing. Right now, in China, we have dear brothers and sisters in prison for the sake of the gospel. And here's what's truly amazing about that, is that those people are memorizing scripture only to have it taken away, to have people smuggle stuff back in the Word of God so that they can keep memorizing it because if they memorize it, it can't be taken away. That's how precious the Word of God is to them. Is the Word of God that precious to you? If it's not, that's a serious reality check. We get mad because of a little mask mandate here and there. Well, I got news for you, friends. It's going to get way worse than that. It's going to get way worse than that. Are you ready for that? Is the word of God that precious to you? Do you have the fruits of the Spirit? Do you have joy that can't be taken away? Do you have a peace that, that is only given by the Holy Spirit that is a sense of calm when everything around you is on fire? Are you patient with people? Are you kind to people? Do you have a sense of goodness and faithfulness to God? Are you gentle? And do you have self-control? All those things are given as a gift by Christ. And that only happens, again, going back to verse 26, when Christ is in you. That is truly Truly amazing.
what do we do with what we heard? Well, if you're a person that has maybe backslid a little, maybe it's been a while since you have opened up the Word of God, let me make you a promise here. And this is just speaking from my own personal experience. There was a time where reading the Bible was a chore for me. And I don't like saying that openly. I'm I'm being pretty vulnerable right here. I don't really like that too much. And I don't want to be the hero of my own story because all I want to do is profess and proclaim that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But I'm going to tell you something personal here. The Word of God and reading it was at one point a chore for me. And maybe it is right now for you. And I'm telling you very clearly, just pick it up and read it. And at first, it may seem still that way. But God will soften up the heart. And he will give you new desires. In which the word of God will become your absolute joy. I, I had to repent of that, my friends. Trust me, that was not a <laughs> that was not a great conversation I had with God that day. And it basically went like this: Lord, I am sorry for being disobedient to you. I'm sorry for not reading your word. Please give me a love and a passion and a joy for your word. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, um, I have it. Again, I'm not the hero. I'm just an ordinary person proclaiming the gospel. But I'm telling you that I have that joy. And that's a joy I had when I was a really, really young man when I first heard the word of God. But the world tried to choke out that joy. The busyness of life. And here's the thing. When you start distancing yourself from God and his word, guess what happens? Your heart becomes hard. So days of not reading scripture turns into weeks and weeks turns into months. And then you start forgetting where things are in the Bible and you start forgetting these promises. Oh, that was in there? Oh yeah, I remember that now, but wow, I completely forgot about that. Don't let that become you. Diligently study the scriptures. And do everything in your power to stay in him. And how do we do that? Well, Colossians 3.16. We're going right back to it, aren't we? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And I'm telling you, Christ is all in all. He has the preeminence. He is sovereign. He is completely divine. He is holy and righteous. And I'm telling you, he is the absolute 100% greatest thing, greatest person that's ever happened to me, bar none. And as we continue on throughout Colossians, we're going to start getting into some really deep things here. But I would challenge you uh, to keep doing this with me. 
Stick with me here. Let's let's take this commitment of going through Colossians seriously and let's go through it verse by verse. We're not here to share out goofy fun stories and to make you laugh and crack a joke here and there. We are here to teach and preach Christ to a dead and dying world. To take people from the domain of darkness and transfer them to the kingdom of his son. And only God can do that. To have Christ live within you. What an honor. What a privilege. What a savior. I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And until next time, God bless you, my friends.